Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. This is the best of Mark Levin. Happy Labor Day. Much to unravel as usual. Are there candidates out there campaigning on Mar-a-Lago, Mr. Reducer? I haven't seen any, have you? You've not seen any in New York? Mr. Callscrooner, have you seen any in New Jersey? No, I haven't seen any in Virginia or Florida. I don't see candidates, Republican candidates, campaigning on Mar-a-Lago. There's a lot of talk about it here on cable TV, on network TV. And there should be a lot of talk about it amongst those of us who, who focus on the Constitution, the rule of law, liberty versus tyranny, and so forth. But I'm utterly unaware that Republicans are running on this issue. I watch the TV ads now in two states. I can tell you Marco Rubio is running on crime and securing the border. And that his opponent is a radical, <coughs> excuse me, radical socialist. I see DeSantis in Florida running on his record. Attacking Fauci and what he did, among other things. I see the congressional candidates in Virginia, since there is no senator gubernatorial race, doing exactly the same thing. I get these mailers. So I am unaware that Republicans are running on or spending their resources on what the FBI did in Mar-a-Lago. So I'm just questioning this kind of analysis. I believe it started with uh, Karl Rove and others saying, you know, if Trump weren't doing this, Trump is fighting back. 
as he always must. Now, I would also point out that it would be really disastrous if Trump were left without support, without air cover, without political a grassroots support, because that would mean the Democrats can do whatever the hell they want with the federal government and federal law enforcement against anybody, including other candidates. So that's the first point. The second point I would make is if we are relying on the Republican Party infrastructure and bureaucracy, To crush the Democrats in November, we're not going to crush the Democrats in November. What made the difference last November in a state like Virginia was not the Republican Party. The Republican Party was irrelevant, especially the RNC and the Republican Party in and around Washington. Mitch McConnell was irrelevant. They were all irrelevant. It was the grassroots. The grassroots in 2010 was the Tea Party, which rose up, said enough is enough. The grassroots last November, taxpayers and parents who said enough is enough. It is up to us to remain focused. We, the grassroots, we, the people. We cannot rely on long in the tooth political commentators that the media promote even media that we like. We have to take political matters into our own hands to ensure a massive victory in November. If it doesn't occur, it's because of us. We cannot rely on the phony experts. Their experience is quite poor when we rely on them. So it's going to take each and every one of you in your neighborhoods to make a difference and you can do this and we can do this and no we're not going to surrender there's no reason to surrender I've been part of this movement these various movements my entire life the Reagan revolution the Tea Party movement and we've got to take on the Democrat Party regardless of what the Republicans do. So that's my second point. My third point is, for how many months now have you heard the so-called Washington experts on TV, on radio, and elsewhere talk about a red wave, and how long have I said, don't get cocky? The election hasn't occurred yet. A lot can happen. Always fight like you're behind, whether it's a political operation or a military operation or a sports event or whatever it is. Always fight like you're behind. And we have to do that today, too. Not to dispirit you, but to get everybody poised and active and motivated now, right now. It's a little less than a little more, I should say, than two months, 60 days until the midterm elections. If you feel everything's on the line, and I know you do like I do, 
then whatever you did last time, you need to do more this time. If you did nothing last time, you need to do something this time. That's how it works. The Marxists who have a home in the Democrat Party are salivating to destroy your life, to control your property, to control how you live and where you live. You must defend what is yours. You must defend your own liberty. You must defend the future for your children and grandchildren. You must defend your faith and your family. You must defend what your children are taught. You must defend American history, law enforcement, the military, capitalism. That's what it's all about. That's what's going on. Nobody's asking you to put your life on the line. Nobody's asking you to be a casualty. Vote, and even more, you must get others to vote. You have a phone. That's all you need. That's all you need. But all the news is not negative. I pointed out before, they're trying to dispirit you. They're trying to demoralize you. Don't let the enemy create your reality. And they are the enemy. They're not the adversary. Don't let the enemy create your reality. Don't let the enemy create your psyche. People always say to me, how are we going to do, Mark? How are we going to do? I say, how do I know? Just fight like hell. And at Legal Insurrection, our friend Professor Jacobson, he says, I understand how demoralizing the current situation is. The border wide open. The full apparatus of the criminal justice system from DOJ to FBI to state prosecutors are weaponized for Democrat political purposes. Yet the narrative as recently as a month ago was that a red wave was coming in November. That has changed. There is a concerted media effort to create the counter narrative that the red wave has failed, even though we're just entering, just entering prime election season and Republicans still lead in the generic ballot. It happens every election cycle. And I read to you last week Stephen Hayward's piece, excellent piece, which he has a chart and he demonstrates it. The Republicans almost never lead in the generic ballot. But that doesn't mean they don't win. And yet we have this from Rasmussen from Friday. The 2022 midterm elections are now 74 days away, and Republicans still have a five-point lead in their bid to recapture control of Congress. The latest Rasmussen reports, national telephone and online surveys find that if the elections for Congress were held today, 47% of likely U.S. voters would vote for the Republican candidate, 42% for the Democrat, 8% aren't sure. Now let me ask you a question. Even though you have a Republican lead here, why does this matter? Well, Mark, it gives us a sense of why does it matter? Now, why am I asking this? Think it through. When you go to vote in November, you're voting for the House, and a third of you are voting for the Senate. There is no national election in November. So when we get these national telephone and online surveys, 
it's good to see that we have a lead under the Rasmussen. And I'm telling you that because others say we don't. But I'm saying you've got to be very, very skeptical of all of these. You're voting for a single congressman and one-third of you voting for a single senator. You're not voting for somebody else's senator. You're not voting for somebody else's congressman. They don't take a national vote and then start to distribute members of Congress and members of the Senate. So to some extent, to a great extent, these numbers are not particularly reflective of anything. I mean, if you're 25 points down, I guess it's reflective. You're going to have a bad time nationwide. But that's not what those numbers show. Now, I think the Democrats have done two things. They pass these massive spending bills, and they want you to believe, the average American, that they're helping you. And after the break, I'm going to prove otherwise. And number two, they keep saying this abortion decision, more and more women are registering to vote. Well, how do we know more and more women aren't registering to vote to defeat their local school boards like they did last November? Or more and more women aren't are registering to vote because they've had enough with the Democrats. They keep pointing to Kansas. Kansas. Did anybody ever think that maybe what Kansas proposed initially was too big of a bite? That we have to get strategic like the other side on so many issues? One bite at a time? You don't take the whole chicken and swallow it? You don't take the whole side of beef and swallow it? Not all at once. So Kansas is not a, an indicator of anything either. Go look at what's going on in Oregon right now. Oregon is a heavily Democrat state controlled by Portland. It's controlled by Portland in the Portland area. Maybe one or two cities. That's it. For the governorship there, the race is neck and neck between the Republican and the Democrat. I don't know how long it's been since they've had a Republican governor there. How come nobody's talking about that? So my point is, all this incoming, all this static, all these experts, broom it away, broom it. You can control your life. You can control, to some extent, your own environment. You can control what you do. Are you going to be an active patriot or not? Well, the broad base of American patriots who are sick and tired of the war against Americanism, against morality and ethics, against American history, against the market system, against American sovereignty, are we going to unite and rise up and make our presence known on Election Day or before if you have early voting? I don't like it, but use it. Will we? That's not up to me. That's not up to any broadcaster. That's not up to the RNC. Thank God. That's up to you. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, back in the good old days, we Americans argued about which policies to pursue to improve the country we love. 
Too often today, we find ourselves arguing about whether our country is great or not, about whether we should love America or be ashamed of it. The reason for this is simple. For too many years, too many of our schools have been neglecting to teach young Americans about America's great heritage of liberty, presenting them instead with dishonest narratives of America as fundamentally unjust and racist. Hillsdale College is weighing in for America by offering free online courses such as The Great American Story, A Land of Hope, and Constitution 101, The Meaning and History of the Constitution. As we get closer to Constitution Day, September 17, I encourage all of you to enroll in one of these wonderful free courses from Hillsdale. Begin your free Hillsdale College course today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's Levin, L-E-V-I-N, for Hillsdale.com. You're listening to the best of the Mark Levin Show. Happy Labor Day. Now, if you look what's taking place, I just wish those who are running for office knew how to articulate issues. You look at abortion as an issue. How is abortion an issue in New York? Where abortion on demand is pretty much the, uh, the situation. Or any of these blue states for that matter. California. Why is abortion even an issue in these states? Want an abortion? Go get one. It's not an issue in these states. So first of all, if you're a Republican running in one of these states, why don't you just say it? You could say, I oppose it strongly. But the fact is, if you want an abortion in New York, you can get an abortion in New York. But also, why don't the Republicans explain, as I do here, till I'm breathless, that what the Democrats want is not a return to Roe v. Wade. Roe v. Wade did not support, did not support abortion on demand, not even in the last three months. But the Democrats voted on a proposed bill months ago that would have eliminated all barriers to all abortions in every corner of the country, regardless of geography, regardless of diversity, and abortion right up to the last second. No strings attached. Why don't Republicans explain this? It's a very effective argument, but there's even more. This country is going in hock by trillions and trillions of dollars to subsidize the wealthy. And I'll explain that when we return. Folks, back in the good old days, we Americans argued about which policies to pursue to improve the country we love. Too often today, we find ourselves arguing about whether our country is great or not, about whether we should love America or be ashamed of it. The reason for this is simple. For too many years, too many of our schools have been neglecting to teach young Americans about America's great heritage of liberty, presenting them instead with dishonest narratives of America as fundamentally unjust and racist. Hillsdale College is weighing in for America by offering free online courses such as The Great American Story, A Land of Hope, and Constitution 101, The Meaning and History of the Constitution. As we get closer to Constitution Day, September 17, I encourage all of you to enroll in one of these wonderful free courses from Hillsdale. Begin your free Hillsdale College course today at levinforhillsdale.com. 
That's Levin, L-E-V-I-N, for Hillsdale.com. This is Mark Levin wishing you a happy Labor Day. Now back to the best of me. Trillions and trillions of dollars of your money, debt that's going to be on the shoulders of your children and grandchildren and generations yet burn, to subsidize, to subsidize ideologically driven, excuse me, policies. There's a lot of questions whether it's electric cars and so forth and so on. Remember when the Democrats used to say, you want to get rid of Obamacare, what are you going to replace it with? Where's the detailed step-by-step blueprint for the Green New Deal? Where is it? Where do we technologically get from A to Z? Where do these rare earth minerals come from? How are they mined? How are we going to have enough of them? You have millions of cars plugged in to an electrical grid. How's that going to work? We're already forecasting brownouts and blackouts down the road. And how do people think electricity is created? By a bunch of people with kites and keys? No. Has to be created. Well, what creates it? What creates it? Coal? Natural gas? Yes. What else creates it? Nuclear power? Yes. So we're opposed to all those, right? Solar power, wind power? Not enough. You see the disaster in Texas a few years ago? Remember that? They have regular disasters in California, brownouts and blackouts over the years. They decided to keep their one remaining nuclear power plant online. Just in case, of course. Just in case. I mean, we have uh, these examples. Europe, Germany's in a disastrous situation. It doesn't have enough fossil fuels now. And they're warning people. Not only are there going to be brownouts and blackouts, it's going to be one damn cold winter. Same with Poland. Same with all of Europe. Sri Lanka, another example. I'm giving you third world, industrialized societies, America. People are starving in Sri Lanka. Why? Because fossil fuels are the center of everything. From fertilizer on out. Everything. Banning fossil fuels? How suicidal is that? Meanwhile, our enemies will gobble it up left and right. And when these batteries are done, they last about 10 years and they cost a ton. Where are they going to go? Where are we going to put them? They're toxic. They're toxic. Where's the plan for all this? Perfect example. Things that I don't expect ideologues who are dense with low IQs like Biden on out 
from the bottom up and the middle out in the Democrat Party. From the Daily Mail. How will we charge them all? U.S. needs to spend $35 billion to meet demand for 1.2 million public ports by 2030. And that's not counting the $28 million needed in homes. $28 million needed in homes. $28 million plus 1.2 million public ports. Can you imagine everybody plugging in their cars? That's not going to be a problem, is it? These politicians are killing this country. The U.S. needs to build 30 million electric vehicle charging ports, or 478 each day until 2030, if half of the drivers switch over to electric vehicles. Not even talking about homes yet. We have about 128,000 public electrical vehicle charging outlets. There's at least 4,500 private ones. Nothing. Although EVs, electric vehicles, have climbed a lot each year since 2016, and a lot of that's because the government is subsidizing people to buy them and make them, many consumers cite batteries and charging issues as their main concerns. California automakers have until 2035, 13 years, to completely phase out gas guzzlers. Why are cars called gas guzzlers and electrical cars aren't called electricity guzzlers? You get the point? It's the language. But the state's charging infrastructure needs to expand dramatically, and it won't because Newsom is a hack and a fool. America would have to install 30 million electronic vehicle charging ports by 2030. It's a lot, don't you think? 30 million. 1.2 million public, as I said, 28 million private. It's, uh, it's just unbelievable. And I'm just looking down here. Automakers will now have to reach the first quota of California's new plan. 35% of new cars, small pickups, and SUVs sold in the state must be zero emission by 2026. Meanwhile, McKinsey report notes that electricity bought at public chargers can cost five to ten times more than electricity in private ones. To keep EVs powered up, public charging stations will probably need to be economical, equitably distributed, appealing to use, and wired to a robust power grid. Wow. Where's that going to come from? And drivers of EVs who can't recharge at home will want public charging locations to be convenient, with estimates suggesting public charging would deliver over 20% of the electricity that would be used in 2030. So where are these stations going to come from? Let me ask you a question, Mr. Producer. You've spent your entire life in New York, correct? It's a very, very crowded city, isn't it? They have a lot of what we call high-rises and skyscrapers, don't they? Where are those people going to charge their cars? You can't. You can't. I can imagine the towing business is going to be very busy. You're driving. Okay, there's no 
port near you or next to you and the car stops. What do you do with that, Mr. Producer? You just sit there. You just sit there. Maybe they'll have some kind of towing vehicles that have chargers of some kind or another, but I can imagine this happening everywhere. Well, Mark, what about like gasoline? Gasoline is ubiquitous. Well, so will electricity. No, it won't. It won't be. It can't be. And then they'll play the game, the statistical game, because electricity is going to need fossil fuel or nuclear power for much of it to be created. You can't rely on the sun and the wind, ladies and gentlemen. Anymore, you can rely on the rain gods during the droughts. I feel like we're really going backwards here, but anyway... Let's continue. There's so many issues here. I don't even know where to begin. But that's the point. They're pulling the plug, if you will, on fossil fuels. They're putting in demands because they have eggheads who sit on these environmental boards. They have really stupid people as governors, ideologues as members of their various legislatures. Eggheads who know nothing pushing the agenda. It's easy to vote to stop things. It's easy to vote to ban things. It's easy to vote to demand things. But somebody has to do it. So who's working on the electrical grid as I speak? Anybody? Nobody. Nobody. In order to take out also our ability to travel today, I mean, you'd have to take out an awful lot of gas stations and so forth, but as you centralize more and more power and more and more decision-making, it becomes easier and easier. This is what our friend Peter Pride talked about, who passed away, unfortunately. We don't have any government that will protect our grid. They won't even protect it. And so trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars are going to be poured into this to make you poorer, 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 colder during the winter, warmer during the summer, drive up your costs, create brownouts and blackouts, to create poverty and even death, as we saw in these various states and as you'll see in Europe over the winter, taking us from energy independent to God knows what. Because the nonsensical, uninformed, arrogant, narcissistic politicians have taken over. They're going to determine what energy is. So we've had it with the private sector, and they just stole it all, and now the government's in charge. Student loans, what did I say? This party's in office to do what? To benefit its base. Who's in its base? Oh, they'll throw a few crumbs to the minority groups and this group and that group as long as they don't have to give them school choice and open up opportunities for everybody. It's the white, wealthy leftist. That's what this party, the Democrat Party, represents. Not the quote-unquote little people. Not the quote-unquote brown and yellow people. Not the, it does not represent them. It lies to everybody, as it must.
How are people who have to use food stamps, and I'm not just talking about minorities, obviously a lot of white people do too. I'm talking about people generally. How do people who need food stamps to live or need their social security check to live day by day, week by week, going to get an electric car? I don't care how much it's subsidized. They're not. So what's next in line, Mr. Producer? Public transportation. Remember, there's a war now on single-family homes in the suburbs and the outer burbs by the federal government. They want to eliminate that kind of zoning. They want dense housing. They want public transportation. And they are driving us to that. They are pushing us toward that whether it's automobiles, whether it's zoning and housing. That's what they're doing. More and more as they control the population. 87,000 IRS agents. Where's the liberty in all this? They never speak about individualism in all this. They never speak about opportunity in all this. It's always government, 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 government. One quick thing before I take the break. I was at the airport yesterday. And I was sitting next to a very nice gentleman. And you know, people, they have these phones now. I don't know. They, they don't actually hold the phone, but they're talking. You go, oh, that guy's talking to himself. But turns out they're talking to somebody on a phone. And one of the things I heard him say, he was right next to me, very loud. He said, don't forget to get your $20,000. That's what he says. Don't forget to get your $20,000. Obviously, he was talking to somebody he knows, probably a relative, maybe a child. He was an older gentleman who was saying, don't forget to get your $20,000 in the student welfare case. If you got a Pell Grant, you get up to $20,000 back. Don't forget to get your $20,000. It's unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. You think about the men and women who are breaking their backs out there, waiting on tables, driving tractors, plumbers, 24-7 plumbers and electricians, guys working on roofs in Florida in the middle of the heat in the summer, mechanics, taxi and Uber drivers, bricklayers, you go on and on and on. The men and women who make this country really function. Don't forget to get your $20,000. Don't forget to get your electric car. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, back in the good old days, we Americans argued about which policies to pursue to improve the country we love. Too often today, we find ourselves arguing about whether our country is great or not, about whether we should love America or be ashamed of it. The reason for this is simple. For too many years, too many of our schools have been neglecting to teach young Americans about America's great heritage of liberty. 
presenting them instead with dishonest narratives of America as fundamentally unjust and racist. Hillsdale College is weighing in for America by offering free online courses such as The Great American Story, A Land of Hope, and Constitution 101, The Meaning and History of the Constitution. As we get closer to Constitution Day, September 17, I encourage all of you to enroll in one of these wonderful free courses from Hillsdale. Begin your free Hillsdale College course today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's Levin, L-E-V-I-N, for Hillsdale.com. You're listening to the best of the Mark Levin Show. Happy Labor Day. So the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School says that this student welfare bill is now going to be in excess of $1 trillion. And the vast majority of you aren't going to see a penny of this. In fact, they're going to unleash 87,000 new IRS agents in addition to the current 80,000 to make sure you, quote-unquote, pay your fair share. You pay your fair share. The people on the dole are treated like first-class citizens. Illegal aliens are treated like first-class citizens. You get up every morning, I see you out there, getting in your vans, getting in your trucks, getting in your station wagons, whatever. Ernie's paint, painting company, you know, business, or Frank's tiling company, or... Uh, or Domino, whatever, something or other going on there. You see all the stores, all the retailers out there trying to make a buck. So in other words, if you didn't get a loan with the intention of not paying it, and by the way, you know, you didn't have to spend that loan on college. Did you know that, Mr. Producer? You could have spent it on a vacation. You got 100000 Maybe you wanted a Maserati. Maybe You could have spent that money on Anything, anything you wanted, anything. And now you're in hock for it, ladies and gentlemen. And don't buy this. The Democrats are running from it. Crap. It wouldn't be happening but for them. And, of course, Joe Biden is doing it in violation of the Constitution. He has no authority to do this. He's taking over a trillion dollars from you and giving it to somebody else. But don't worry. They're after Donald Trump. I shall return. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. This is the best of Mark Levin. Happy Labor Day. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires 
that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. Doesn't that sound like a revolution, Mr. Producer? America? So he's going in front of Independence Hall. To say what? To attack half the people of the United States? He'll say he's not, but he is. In fact, to attack all people who disagree with the radical Marxist agenda. We hold these truths to be self-evident. And I suspect he might even have this on a card or teleprompter prepared for him, this part, that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. And it goes on. This is a revolutionary document that gives the justification that gives the justification for overthrowing the monarch control over the colonies. I just want to point that out. So many people would consider the founders violent revolutionaries. No doubt the king of England did and his monarchy, no question about it. So if Joe Biden wants to give the kind of speech that he's reportedly going to give, he shouldn't be standing in front of the Declaration of Independence, where so many Americans are fed up with what their government has turned into, and is turning into, against their will, against their interests. No. He should be standing in front of the Democrat National Committee headquarters and giving a speech like this about the fundamental transformation of America, about the fundamental transformation of gender and sex, about the fundamental transformation of the Supreme Court, and on and on and on. No. Well, Miranda Devine is a brilliant lady. She writes brilliantly. She says, tyrannical old Joe's secret police state. The gall of Joe Antifa Biden wrapping himself in the blue after the anti-cop violence and defund police movement. He slyly egged on during the 2020 BLM Antifa riots. The breakdown of law and order in our cities is the consequence. No question about that. Now he's back to posing as a big champion of the cops, as anti-semi-fascist, that is anti-sefa, attempting to turn the tables on the party of law and order with wildly dishonest rhetoric that is as frightening as it is absurd. It would be easy to laugh it all off as the blathering of a spiteful, increasingly incoherent, angry old man. But what Biden and the puppeteers who guide him are doing is very sinister. They appear to be preparing the ground for an even harsher crackdown. Harsher crackdown on his political opponents by the security state. 
which has become to all appearances his secret police. The president's intemperate attacks on Republicans as semi-fascist, ultra-MAGA, white supremacists, and domestic terrorists have escalated as a midterm wipeout looms and Biden's deadly polls have solidified, despite media lauding the comeback of Aviator Joe. Yeah, sure, his polls have bounced back, quote-unquote, just like gas prices, from unbelievably bad to really bad. Clearly two weeks in the basement with double COVID and a month on vacation has done wonders for his popularity. And in Biden's case, absent makes the heart grow slightly less scornful. But before he heads to Delaware for another long weekend, the White House decided Biden needed to make a couple of big political speeches to set the tone for the campaign season. Tonight, it's a primetime address about, quote, the continued battle for the soul of the nation, unquote, as if any American wants to take moral instruction from a Biden. His speech on gun control Pennsylvania Tuesday was a scene setter that should fill all with dread. President spent much of his time on stage, bear with me, railing against MAGA Republicans, inadvertently lumping anyone else who believes in the America First agenda, which includes a fair chunk of independents and some Democrats. Let me say this to my MAGA Republican friends in Congress, he said. Don't tell me you support law enforcement if you won't condemn what happened on the 6th of January. For God's sakes, whose side are you on? Spare us. He lied about the January 6th riot, characterizing it in a supposed quote from some unnamed foreign leader as, quote, a mob of a thousand people storming down the hallways and killing several police officers in the meantime, unquote. Not one police officer was killed. The only person killed was Ashley Babbitt, the petite, unarmed Trump supporter shot dead by a Capitol police officer. He sarcastically referred to, quote, bright, right, brave right-wing Americans, unquote, support the Second Amendment as a protection against government tyranny. If you want to fight against the country, you need an F-15, says Mr. Tough Guy. He tried to flip the tables on the soaring crime and demoralized police that his party single-handedly caused and pretend they were his strengths, just like the old days. The arsonist returning to the burning embers as the hero firefighter. I'm opposed to defunding the police, said Biden. I'm also opposed to defunding the FBI. Now he tells us. Why did he not say that months ago? And during the months of violent anti-cop riots in 2020. Instead, he fueled anti-police sentiment the minute the George Floyd story blew up. He would emerge periodically from his basement to rant about systemic police racism, for which there was no evidence. After weeks of riots, arson, looting, and death at the height of the defund police craze, he replied, yes, absolutely, when asked if we can redirect some of the police funding. Whom is he trying to kid now? Biden's speech Tuesday was not random wild talk. It was designed for an ultimate end, which is to deploy his administration's year-old national strategy for countering domestic terrorism to crush his political opposition. In this strategy, the unprecedented threat to the nation is the MAGA semi-fascist. And the way to counter it at the roots is to install a far-left equity agenda, economic redistribution, critical race theory, etc. 
And if you object, as any thinking person does, then you may find yourself labeled a domestic violence extremist or enemy of the state, as Nancy Pelosi called Republicans. About the only critic of the strategy is political science professor Nicholas Giordano. As he puts it, the Democrats' critique of Republicans has gone from bitter clingers to domestic terrorists. It's a coordinated and sustained effort to paint their political opponents as a threat to seize power. The media amplifies the government's drumbeat, providing justification to the tyrants so they can tell themselves that they're doing good, ridding the nation of racism and equity, saving democracy from existential threats like Ashley Babbitt. This is why they have to lie about January 6th and call it an insurrection, a terrorist attack worse than 9-11. This is why, as Professor Giordano points out, you hear the terms purge, deprogram, and re-educate applied to Trump supporters by the talking heads at MSNBC. But because there actually aren't enough white supremacist, domestic violent extremists to purge, the security state has had to engage in scope creep. So the patriotic Betsy Ross flag is secretly listed in an internal FBI guide leaked to Project Veritas as domestic violence terrorism symbol, along with a Punisher skull, the Spartan helmet, the Gadsden flag, and the 2A for Second Amendment. The word Orwellian is overused now because our entire politics is Orwellian. Nothing is as it seems. Every statement is psychological projection. Every day is opposite day. Biden gaslights and lies. Everyone is administration gaslights and lies. They tell us the border is closed, that millions of illegal migrants are walking across or not walking across the southern border. That Hunter Biden's laptop is Russian disinformation. That the COVID jab will stop the virus. That inflation is zero. The lies are the architecture of tyranny. As Russian emigre Elena, hold on, I just lost it. Gorokoka wrote about the Soviet Union of the 60s, quote, The rules are simple. They lie to us. We know they're lying. They know we know they're lying, but they keep lying to us. And we keep pretending to believe them. I'll be right back. Lovin. In a world full of takers, Pure Talk wants to give you something. That's right. Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, they're takers. They take too much of your money every month for way more data than you're ever going to need. Pure Talk, which is my cell company, gives you choices. Only pay for the data you need. That's how the average family saves over 75 bucks every single month. With Pure Talk, it's easy to find the right plan for you and your family. Unlimited talk, text, and choose from data plans from 2 gigs per month to unlimited with a mobile hotspot. All on America's most reliable 5G network. And here's another Another something else Pure Talk is going to give you. This month, when you switch to Pure Talk, you pay for month one, and Pure Talk will give you month two for free. So do this. Just go to puretalk.com, choose your plan, then enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And check out and get your second month free. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code Levin Podcast to switch to my company, Pure Talk. This is Mark Levin wishing you a happy Labor Day. Now back to the best of me. CNSNews.com. 
as Biden excoriates millions of Americans as MAGA Republicans, extremists, semi-fascists, and threats to democracy. Something he's likely to do again tonight in the so-called Soul of the Nation speech. Former House Speaker Newt Gingrich says Biden's sneering insults stem from terror. Speaking to Fox News, Gingrich noted that more than 70 million Americans voted for Donald Trump in the last election. To have a president of the United States characterize half his country the way that Joe Biden does is the greatest act of aggression by an American president against his own people that we've ever seen. It's truly an astonishing moment. It doesn't fit any of our prior history. And I keep telling my friends, do not assume anything based on past president because you're now dealing with people who are terrified. I mean, if you're the senior FBI, you're the White House, and you're looking at the potential of a Republican-controlled House and Senate, and you realize all of your emails, all of your meetings, everything that you've been doing could suddenly become public, and your entire career could be destroyed, and you might end up in jail. I mean, you're going to do everything you can to try to guarantee that the Republicans can't win this fall because you're terrified of what a Republican Congress would be like. Republican congressional leaders, including House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, have promised to hold hearings on Hunter Biden, Joe Biden influence peddling allegations, among other investigations. McCarthy has told Attorney General Merrick Garland to preserve your documents and clear your calendar in preparation for an anticipated Republican probe of what McCarthy called the politically weaponized Justice Department and FBI. And Gingrich said the Biden-Garland Justice Department is the most corrupt in all of American history, and he's right. He said, you have corruption from the attorney general to the head of the FBI to senior elements of the FBI. You have collusion from a wide range of the intelligence committee. You had, I think it was 50-some intel senior officials who signed a letter last year that we now know was a total lie. None of them have recanted. And I fully expect the Department of Justice to indict Donald Trump in a D.C. court, a district where he got 5.6% of the vote. So by 19 to 1, the jury is likely to be against him. I think it's an all-out effort. And I just heard Zuckerberg, the founder of Facebook, say the FBI asked to suppress the Hunter Biden laptop story for the three or four weeks before the election in 2020. At a time, by the way, when some 80% of Americans say if they had known how corrupt Biden was and through him his father, they probably would have voted against Joe Biden. So I have no idea what's going to happen next. I'm a historian by training, and I tell everybody, you have to assume that nothing you know, nothing you know tells you anything about how corrupt and how sick this is going to get. Because you have fanatics who represent a secular religion who are determined to destroy not just Trump, but Trump's followers. And they could do most anything. We have no way of knowing what the next six months or two years are going to carry. And in his August 26th speech in Rockville, Maryland, Biden closed with this attack. What a serious moment in our nation's history. The MAGA Republicans don't just threaten our personal rights and economic security. They're a threat to our very democracy. They refuse to accept the will of the people. They embrace political violence. They don't believe in democracy. This is why in this moment, those of you who love the country, Democrats, independents, mainstream Republicans, we must be stronger, more determined, more committed to saving America than MAGA Republicans are to destroying it. Holy mackerel. Wow. Wow. 
This sick old bastard is sicker than I thought. I'll be right back. In a world full of takers, Pure Talk wants to give you something. That's right. Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, they're takers. They take too much of your money every month for way more data than you're ever going to need. Pure Talk, which is my cell company, gives you choices. Only pay for the data you need. That's how the average family saves over 75 bucks every single month. With Pure Talk, it's easy to find the right plan for you and your family. Unlimited talk, text, and choose from data plans from 2 gigs per month to unlimited with a mobile hotspot. All on America's most reliable 5G network. And here's another something else Pure Talk is going to give you. This month, when you switch to Pure Talk, you pay for month one, and Pure Talk will give you month two for free. So do this. Just go to puretalk.com, choose your plan, then enter promo code Levin Podcast. that's L-E-V-I-N podcast, and check out and get your second month free. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code Levin Podcast to switch to my company, Pure Talk. You're listening to the best of the Mark Levin Show. Happy Labor Day. The Democrats and the Democrat Party and the higher up you go on their political chain hate the American people as they hate the country. And when you have this Marxist ideology, remember, you despise free will. You despise individual liberty. It gets into the way of your plans. And so when you have people more and more who are objecting to what the government is doing to them, they have to be put down. And if, in fact, Biden gives the kind of speech his press secretary and he have indicated he's going to give, it is he who's lighting fuses. It is he who's throwing political grenades. And his media, the Pravda of America. Now, I do need to update you. There was a hearing in federal court today, a real judge in the Southern District of Florida. And this is how it's reported by NBC. And I read it. It seemed pretty accurate. A federal judge said today she would make a more detailed list of what the FBI seized from former President Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate as lawyers for Trump and the Justice Department faced off in a federal courtroom in Florida for the first time in a case involving the unprecedented search of his home. U.S. District Judge Eileen Cannon did not immediately rule. However, on the Trump lawyer's request to appoint a special master to review all the evidence seized in the August 8th search to determine whether any of it includes potential attorney-client or executive privilege issues, Trump lawyers had requested a more detailed inventory of what investigators seized, contending the version they got from the government was too vague. They asked for a detailed account of exactly what was seized and where it was located when it was seized. By the way, these lawyers Trump has now, they really are good. They are good. Trump's team also said they want a third-party special master to share all the evidence with them, including the affidavit laying out the government's case, that was used to get the search warrant in the first place. The Department of Injustice was ready for the possibility the judge would order that the more detailed list be unsealed, saying in a court filing earlier this week, the government is prepared, given the extraordinary circumstances, to unseal the more detailed receipt and provide it immediately to plaintiff. Well, what's it waiting for? It doesn't need a court order to do that. 
Well, the government characterized the case in grave terms related to national security and classified documents. Trump lawyer Jim Trusty compared it to something more mundane. Quote, we've characterized it at times as an overdue library book scenario where there's a dispute, not even a dispute, but ongoing negotiations with the National Archives that has suddenly been transformed into a criminal investigation, he said. <coughs> Sidestepping that the Justice Department had issued a subpoena for the documents this year, they say. Well, you can issue a subpoena and still be in negotiations. Happens all the time. But trustee's right. That's why I said, well, this is about documents? Seriously? Documents? Throughout the hearing, Judge Cannon, a Trump appointee, they remind us, had more questions for the government and for the former president's team, and repeatedly asked why she shouldn't appoint a special master. You see, it's not really that rare to appoint a special master. And this is a very, very high-profile matter involving serious conflicting constitutional issues. And yet, look at how the government is fighting over this. Justice Department attorneys argued a special master was either superfluous or unwarranted when it came to Trump's claims about executive privilege. Pointing to a 1977 case, Nixon versus GSA, a government attorney told the court that Trump couldn't invoke the privilege because he was no longer the executive. I don't know if that's right, Judge Judge Cannon said. It seems to me like you're potentially overreading Nixon to say now that there's absolutely no room for a former executive to raise a claim of privilege, at least for some period of time, is not entirely decided in the law. So I'm not sure if it's cut and dried, as you suggest. She's exactly right, and I mentioned that to you yesterday. There's no Supreme Court decision right on point here. Jay Bratt, a top intelligence official of justice, argued that the bottom line was Trump had a stash of documents that don't belong to him. He's no longer the president because he's no longer the president. He had no right to those documents. That ends the analysis, Bratt said. Oh, okay. So a bureaucrat at the Department of Justice says it's all over, Judge, it's all over Trump. Just do what we say. Put him in cuffs, leg iron, send him off to jail. This guy, Brat, sounds like a real punk. A real punk. And by the way, you're doing a fantastic job on counterintelligence over there at the Department of Justice. The communist Chinese have stolen everything. The key to the kingdom. They've stolen everything. And there you are chasing Trump, you jerk. That's right. That's right. John Voigt. I got to get to a lot because remember, we're doing Biden live in the third hour. John Voigt put out a video message the other day, and I meant to play it. Didn't have time, and I want to play it now. Cut one, go. My fellow Americans, can we all speak truths so we can see the lie that was brought upon our President Trump? And the ones who once were on his side are now finding wrong with the documents. Can we see this lie? Did they ever attack Obama's home or Clinton's? And why not? Because President Trump knows that the swamp are all lies and he once drowned them. And they're all afraid you will see the truths. Wake up, America. See this lie. And we must see this as similar to President Kennedy's files. My friends, the deceit will surely die, for no man shall turn truths for their ego, for their unrighteousness, because our witness will surely condemn this war. The Third World War, yes. 
It's been turned into a war. But this force, this evil force against the American people will be wiped out by the power that once helped George Washington win the revolution for freedom. There is a God and he, the almighty, will answer our prayers for this nation to be strong and safe and loving for our future. This is the greatest country, the land of opportunity where one can be their greatest self. This is America. And my fellow Americans, I'm proud to be an American. And I know that we will be saved, that there is a plan, that the one president who had our true trust was President Donald Trump, and he will do it all over again with the prayers, the hope, the love, the trust of all the American people once again. And then there's, well said, John, and then there's Corinne Jean-Pierre, who babbles equally as much as the idiot she works for. Uh, Let's see here. Let us go to cut two, Mr. Producer. Go. Uh, You know, when you ask me about the mega agenda, especially as it relates to Congress, as it relates to elected officials, uh, it is one of the most extreme agendas that we have seen. Uh, And it is a a part of the, uh, it is is the extreme part of, of the Republican Party. So the Republican agenda in Congress, such as it is, is extremist. So it's not just about a handful of people. It's the Republican agenda in Congress is extremist. Cut three, go. Go back to tonight's speech. Obviously, you said that the president's going to be calling out these lawmakers that are MAGA lawmakers in Congress. But you had 74 million people vote for Trump last time around. You said it's a small number that the White House police are extremists. Can you give us an idea of ballpark? Are we talking a million of that 74 million? Are we talking about 1%, 20%? What kind of number are we talking well, about? Well, I'm, um, I'm talking about specifically of uh, MAGA office holders. That's you what understand, ladies and gentlemen, what they're doing here is now they're saying we get to define who's dangerous and who's extreme. What kind of regimes have done that in the past? Can you think of any? Over at the Huffington Post, they're very offended. Over at Media Matters, they're very offended because these are the spokesmen for the Marxist, fascist, extremists in this country. They will defend Biden and the Democrat Party to the hilt no matter what. So when I point out that the dehumanization of people has led to genocide... And I point out that it's led to genocide in the most horrific regimes. They got very angry with me. Because they're stupid, low IQ zombies, pretty much. Pretty much. They are funded and paid by dark money. And this is how they exist. Like the Russian Pravda or the state media in China or in Iran for that matter. They think this is great. So the debate isn't over policy, you see. The debate isn't over what the administration has done, what the Democrats have done in the Senate and the House, what they want to do. Now the debate is we have to defend ourselves as Americans from the Democrat Party. They are going to define us. They are going to characterize us. They think they are. And that's the election, they think. Are you 
who believe in the Constitution and the Declaration, who believe in individual liberty, who believe in our principles, who don't believe in the 1619 Project, but the 1776 reality, who believe in free market capitalism as opposed to centralized socialism, are we now radical extremists because we don't embrace the Pelosi, Schumer, Biden, AOC, Sanders agenda? That's what they're saying. That's you. Go ahead. We're t- I'm talking specifically, I already answered this question uh, about how, um, you know, we feel like we've touched a nerve, right, when, when folks are, are, are saying uh, that we're, we're trying to be div- divisive or that we're talking about millions of voters. I feel like you've That's touched not- a nerve. People are responding to your effort to dehumanize half the country, and it may be more than half the country. People are responding to the irresponsibility of this regime. The way I see it, ladies and gentlemen, those of us who oppose what's taking place, we are the people who believe in freedom. We are the resistance. Cut four, go. You're also facing some criticism, which has been brought up, that this aggressive tone is also stoking the divisiveness that he's trying to heal. Any concerns about that? You know, the president's never going to shy away from calling out what he sees. Really? He's never going to shy away. But so I don't have to shy away from what I see. When Biden shuffles around, squints, issues, orders left and right trying to destroy our economic system, destroy our, our borders and our sovereignty, destroy our health care system, walks around and decides what kind of energy will or will not take place. That's funny. I think of the Hugo Chavez's, the Brezhnev's, the Mao Zedong's. That's what I think of. Kevin McCarthy today on Fox. Cut five, go. He's trying to distract from his disasters that he's created in this country. The problem with Joe Biden is he does not understand the soul of America. The tens of millions of hardworking, law-abiding citizens that he vilifies that simply want to have a say in their kids' education, to go to a school board meeting, want a gasoline price that they can afford, no longer wants inflation to continue to rise, afraid to go out in their streets to be safe again. They want a stronger, safer, more prosperous America, and all he does is vilify him to distract from the disasters and no plan he has to save America from where we are today. You have a right to criticize the government. You have a right to criticize the Democrat Party. You have a right to criticize Biden, the president. You have a right to criticize the Democrats in the House and the Senate. You have a right to do all those things. And I want you to remember This is the same president, the same administration that immediately, immediately threatened parents who were at school board meetings, immediately threatened them at the say-so of the teachers' unions. Now, who is it that supports a police state? And they mentioned the FBI and the National Security Office and the Criminal Division and the U.S. Attorneys and the Civil Rights Division. And gave out the domestic terrorist hotline just in case. These parents protest a little too loudly. That's why it's not about Trump per se. It's not about MAGA per se. 
This is what fascists, Marxists, totalitarians of all types do. He's trying to characterize Republicans. Not good conservatives, good Republicans. He doesn't get to decide who good conservatives and good Republicans are. What they're doing is trying to change the very nature of our political system, which they've been trying to do forever. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. In a world full of takers, Pure Talk wants to give you something. That's right. Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, they're takers. They take too much of your money every month for way more data than you're ever going to need. Pure Talk, which is my cell company, gives you choices. Only pay for the data you need. That's how the average family saves over 75 bucks every single month. With Pure Talk, it's easy to find the right plan for you and your family. Unlimited talk, text, and choose from data plans from 2 gigs per month to unlimited with a mobile hotspot. All on America's most reliable 5G network. And here's an Another something else Pure Talk is going to give you. This month, when you switch to Pure Talk, you pay for month one, and Pure Talk will give you month two for free. So do this. Just go to puretalk.com, choose your plan, then enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And check out and get your second month free. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code Levin Podcast to switch to my company, Pure Talk. This is Mark Levin wishing you a happy Labor Day. Now back to the best of me. Letitia James. Who's Letitia James? She is the crackpot, radical, left-wing kook, evil attorney general of the state of New York. Talk about tyranny. Talk about totalitarianism. Nikki Haley's founder of Stand for America, this organization. And like all groups such as this, when they file the returns with the Internal Revenue Service, there are certain pages that are supposed to be kept confidential. And you print on those pages confidential. All of these nonprofit groups do it. And the reason is to protect major donors who would otherwise be targeted, you know, by the Democrat Party militia or mob or somebody else. But that's the law, and it's supposed to be kept confidential. And some states require the same f- filing or similar one in their states. Well, Nikki Haley's group, that was leaked. It was leaked to the public, their donors. It was leaked to the media, the left media, that attacked her. And attacked the group. And targeted the donors. And Nikki Haley wants to come on the program, as she has others, to call out this Letitia James who should be under criminal investigation now. For the revealing of internal revenue information. And if we had a real Treasury Department, if we had a real U.S. Attorney's Office, the Attorney General of New York would be in front of a federal grand jury, forced to testify under oath, under threat of imprisonment. 
That's the way it ought to be handled. I shall return. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to ask you a question. Did you know withdrawing your cash from the bank can be very risky? That's right. Banks are now required to spy on us for the government. And they report any behavior they think is suspicious. It's true. And I was shocked when I read this secret war on cash from Swiss America. The new war against cash is really a war against the Constitution. Against all freedom-loving Americans. So, you need to read the war on cash. Get your free copy by calling 800-630-1492. 800-630-1492, or visit SwissAmerica.com. Now, this war on cash is growing daily and also includes all forms of digital money. Please get and read The Secret War on Cash free to my listeners by calling now, 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492, or visit SwissAmerica.com. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. This is the best of Mark Levin. Happy Labor Day. Awful lot of people have died in the streets controlled by the Democrat Party and their anti-police policies. And then here comes the sleazy lifetime politician out of Delaware, Joe Biden, who lied his way into office way back when and lies in office. And he has a proposal. It's time to fund the police. Fund the police. Fund the police. Well, why do you need to fund the police? I thought they were funded. No, 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 they weren't funded. And the reason is, ladies and gentlemen, because his party defunded them, slashed their budgets. It was never an issue of not enough money. These Democrat mayors, these Democrat councilmen and women, and it's, these Democrat governors, it wasn't for a lack of money, they had plenty of money. But they turned on the cops because it was the end thing to do. They turned on, their, on the cops, they let their cities burn. Even today, with the sucker punching, with the store robberies, 
there aren't enough cops, not because there's not enough money. There's just too damn many Democrats running these cities. And Joe Biden can get up there and do his Mr. Magoo act. All of a sudden, they want 100,000 cops 60 days before the midterm elections. And they don't want them right away, mind you. They want them over five years, which means you'll never see 100,000 cops. But it's not a matter of funding. There's hundreds of billions of dollars sitting out there. And here's the irony. This stupid old guy runs around and says the Republicans voted against cops. I just explained to you last hour why that's a lie. $1.9 trillion massive spending bill that helped cause all this inflation and other spending bills. There was no requirement that any locality or state spend one penny on cops. None. None. And yet he pretends otherwise. Seems to me if you really meant to do it in the bill, you should have said it, but he didn't. And so now it's the Republicans who wanted to defund the police. Do you believe this, ladies and gentlemen? Now he might think this is a cool trick because he's a stupid man and an old politician. But the fact of the matter is, Joe Biden has cost in his party many, many people their lives, their businesses, their safety. Many, many people. But look how cynical he is. Look how cynical he is. Now he wants you to believe he's the pro-cop guy and that all these moderate Democrats out there, they're pro-cop too. But of course they're not. They just don't want to lose office. They want power. And you can see what they do when they have power with the FBI and so forth. Now I wanted to bring up this point that I started last hour. Because I don't think we've been looking at this Hunter Biden thing the right way. The idea that Joe Biden, who's in Washington, what, 50 years? Almost half a century. That he didn't know what his son was doing. That he didn't know his son was using his office in the Senate as vice president who was flying with him on certain missions to various countries, who was spending money to fix his homes, who was offering, if not giving him 10% of what he took, calling him the big guy, spilling his guts and his emails in that laptop. The idea that Joe Biden didn't know what Hunter Biden was doing, what James Biden was doing, and the rest of the crime family was doing is a lie that we've accepted and we must not. This Mr. Magoo Act has to end. I know he's not 100% with it, but he's with it enough to know what he's doing. And he's a crook in my view. And the media will say, can you prove that? The media with... Billions of dollars in resources. They don't want to look under the sheets. They don't want to look under the rocks. They don't want to look. In fact, they help propel this fool where he is. Joe Biden knows exactly what his son was doing. He knew directly and he knew indirectly from people around him. 
Had to. Joe Biden brought his his drug addict son with him on trips to China, trips to Russia, trips to Ukraine. It's no accident. How could he not know? He saw how his son was living. Didn't he ask himself, how can my son afford these things? Why is it that he has a job with this Ukrainian company? Why is it that he received all this money from the communist Chinese military? How is it that he received all that money from the wife of the ex-mayor of Moscow? Joe Biden didn't know anything? Nothing at all? So Joe Biden is letting Hunter Biden take the heat. This is my view. And what the FBI should be doing, if they weren't so damn corrupt, and I can't tell you how it pains me to say it, but it's so obvious anymore, it's just the way it is. They should be pinching Hunter Biden, pinching James Biden, pinching all the family members to get to Joe. And Hunter should be in the same solitary confinement as Paul Manafort was in. Threatened the same way as Roger Stone was. That would be equal justice. But it's not going to happen. Where are the SWAT teams? The Kerry family steps on. Where are the SWAT teams? With Pelosi's son. Where are the search warrants? Where's the FBI? Where are their documents? Their computers? Their iPhones? Where are they? Nowhere. Hunter Biden is the fall guy for his father. That's what's going on. He's the shiny object. He's irrelevant, except with the evidence that he has. It's the big guy, Mr. 10%. He's the mob boss. But for the big guy, Mr. 10%, there wouldn't be any Hunter Biden who acquired millions and millions of dollars, or James Biden, or any of the rest of that family. It was Joe. Joe made it all possible. Lunch bucket, Scranton Joe, is going to go to Independence Hall and talk about democracy, which he hates. Of course, it's republicanism, but Joe doesn't know the difference, as it turns out today, between the Constitution and the Declaration. It doesn't matter. And as a footnote, why is he even going to Independence Hall? Well, those slave owners got together, not once, but twice, for the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. Why is he going there to talk about democracy when he hates all those men? At least he used to. Five minutes ago, before he loved them, 50 years ago. Ah. Hunter's the fall guy. He's the front guy. So Joe can say he doesn't know anything when we know he knows everything. We've gotten a little peek into that, right? With the audio tape of the phone call 
New York Times, I think you're in the clear now. You're in the clear now. Who talks like that? Mobsters talk like that. Gang members talk like that. think you're in the clear now. You're in the clear. Do you say that to your son, anybody out there? I've never said it to mine. Hey, I think we're in the clear. think you're in the clear. Unless you've done something wrong, right? Joe Biden is the kingpin. It's him. He's the crook. He figured out how to enrich the family. He knew he'd have a a bunch of suckers in the media who would pretty much go along with him. You can't expect Maggot Haberman to write anything. Or Philip Bump. Or Sarah Rump. Or whatever. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. This is the best of Mark Levin. Happy Labor Day. Let me show you how this works. This is from PJ Media, Athena Thorne, Obama-era Tea Party targeter, appointed to create IRS office overseeing 87,000 new agents. Nicole Flax worked under Lois Lerner in the Obama administration IRS, while the agency infamously targeted conservative political organizations such as the Tea Party by slow-walking and suppressing their tax-exempt applications. You know how we first learned about this, Mr. Producer? It came over the Transmit Landmark Legal Foundation when I was president there. Remember that? Somebody said, look at what they're doing. The IRS is sending to us. So we immediately filed papers with the Inspector General of the Treasury Department, the Commissioner of the IRS, the Secretary of Treasury, and helped blow this thing wide open. She was also one of seven executives whose hard drives mysteriously self-destructed, preventing House investigators from viewing her emails. Now, the career IRS executive has been tapped to establish a new centralized office in charge of implementing the Democrats' latest tax and spending bill, including oversight of the 87,000 new IRS agents the bill authorizes. IRS Commissioner Charles Reddick sent an agency-wide email on August 19, writing, This is a historic time for the IRS. We're working to move quickly to begin work on the Inflation Reduction Act signed into law earlier this week. He then announced the new department. A key part of our efforts will be the creation of a new centralized office for implementation of all IRS-related provisions, building off our successes implementing other major legislative bills, the IRA 2022 Transformation and Implementation Office will work across the IRS and oversee our implementation efforts. And then he revealed that Nicole Flax, currently Deputy Commissioner in charge of the Large Business and International Division, will be tasked with building the new centralized office. 
Lois Lerner's right hand hack. We have a unique once in a generation opportunity to transform the IRS in a way to help taxpayers and fundamentally improve our tax administration work that is vital to the success of our country, wrote his email. And he quoted Flax as saying, this is an exciting opportunity. We'll be moving quickly with our work. Turns out Flax has been with the IRS since way back in the Obama days. Art Moore and WND reminds us that in May 2014, the Treasury Department's Inspector General for Tax Administration concluded in a report that the IRS delayed the processing of applications for tax-exempt status by certain conservative groups and sought private information that was later deemed unnecessary. The Eric Holder, a.k.a. Obama's wingman Justice Department, spent two years investigating the head of the exempt organizations division, Lois Lerner, before deciding, you'll never believe it, not to bring any charges. Moore directs us to a contemporaneous article by journalist and former swamp creature Jeff Bergner in a historic footnote rendered all the more galling by the recent jackbooted raid of former President Trump's home in search of missing documents. Moore wrote, the computer hard drive of former IRS employee Lois Lerner, she who refused to testify so as not to incriminate herself about targeting conservative political groups, crashed. It seems, too, that the IRS has no way to retrieve her email exchanges with other government entities, though it could ask those entities for cooperation, because there's no backup system. Less well known as the apparently six other IRS computer hard drives crashed in exactly the same time frame. Every one of these belonged to an IRS employee in Cincinnati's tax-exempt officer at headquarters in Washington. Each of these six other employees played a role in targeting Tea Party groups. And one of the missing computer hard drives belonged to Nicole Flax, chief of staff to the then commissioner of the IRS. And by the way, she visited the White House no fewer than 31 times during the period the Tea Party was targeted between 2010 and 2012. The Daily Caller also reported in 2014 on a secretive program Lerner and Flax set up which they collected information from conservative groups. Lois Lerner spoke at a 2010 government conference where Lerner's underling, Nicole Flax, announced the new IRS program scrutinizing groups applying for tax-exempt status. And this is what came over the transom to Landmark. Both Lerner and Flax experienced computer crashes that led to the permanent deletion of their emails, according to the IRS, and it goes on. In a functioning government, someone like Flax would have been canned maybe even prosecuted for apparent politicization and abuse of authority. In a Democrat-run swamp, she's given more power to harass and suppress political opposition. Excuse me. We're well beyond the issue of political targeting by a powerful but supposedly neutral government agency, wrote Bergner back in 2014. We're in a massive political cover-up which hints strongly at destruction of records and obstruction of justice. It's no wonder the American public's confidence in government is at an all-time low. And he was correct in 2014, and now look at it. But Donald Trump took documents with him. Here the IRS, multiple employees destroyed documents. Or, coincidentally, they were destroyed for them. And now, Ms. Flax is going to head up the... The organizing, and I guess, the distribution of 87,000 new IRS agents. 
This is how the Democrats work, ladies and gentlemen. One of the people, the 51 phonies, national security and defense types, who signed on to the letter slash petition, made it very public that Hunter Biden's laptop was obviously a Russian plant. Was obviously a Russian plant. Uh, or dirty trick before the election. He will be going to a top intelligence position in the Biden administration. That's how it works. You know, people think Donald Trump is paranoid, he's a conspiracy theorist, and most of these people are in the media of the left. They're never Trumpers, disgruntled former employees. No, Trump is right about virtually everything he surmises in it, and his expectations are right. This is not just some well-functioning government and so forth. It's out of control. I'll be right back. This is Mark Levin wishing you a happy Labor Day. Now back to the best of me. You know, this guy Fetterman, the Lurchian figure, who wants to be a senator, is as radical as they come, a hard, hard Marxist. The people of Pennsylvania are not that way, so he's now he's trying to pretend to be a moderate. Uh, he also said that the people of color are less likely to have a voter ID. Because they're poorer. Now this guy grew up with a platinum spoon in his big mouth. He didn't stop living off mommy and daddy till he was 50 years old. 50. But he knows all about the inner city. He knows all about minorities. And you know, you minorities out there, you can't possibly be expected to have an ID. Driver's license. None of you have cars, none of you have driver's license, none of you have identification of any kind. You're just poor minorities who don't know any better, you see. And this is how the radical left, lily white Democrats, look at you folks. Look at all of you folks, all of us. But particularly minorities. I'm not kidding. Malcolm X pointed it out. You know who reminded me of that? Stephen A. Smith at one point, a couple years back. And it's true. And uh, it's true today as it was every day. And so Biden endorsed this guy for the Senate, as you can imagine, because he's a Democrat. Democrat, that's all that matters. And uh, this guy talked about at least one-third of the prisoners in Pennsylvania's prison should be released. One-third. One-third. That's the kind of person that's actually running for the Senate of Pennsylvania. So they're trying to pretend he's something that he isn't. This is what they do. We've talked about this before. If you're of this ideology... You have to lie. You have to lie. You lie in order to get votes. You lie in order to stay in power. 
You lie in order to expand your power because your ideology is, it's an impossible ideology. It can't work and it never does. And it never does. And I want to talk briefly about Gorbachev. Of course, I'm reading in the New York Slimes and the Washington Compost and elsewhere that it was Gorbachev who ended the Cold War. It was Gorbachev. This is another effort to rewrite history and to smear Reagan by omission. And that's pretty much what they're doing. Was Gorbachev a different kind of leader? Yes, absolutely he was. He absolutely was. As a matter of fact, he had nothing but contempt for Putin. So all you Putinoids out there in the media and in the two political parties who keep coming to his defense, you're defending a Stalinist mass murder. Do you even know that? They keep trashing Ukraine like Ukraine's done something to somebody. Ukraine hasn't done anything to anybody. They don't even have nuclear missiles. They agreed to surrender those in 1994. When Yeltsin and Clinton and whoever it was in Britain agreed that if they give up the nukes and give them back to Russia, Mother Russia, that they will help protect Ukraine's borders. And now you see what happened. So those who continue to defend Putin obviously have their own fascistic or tyrannical tendencies, because why would you? Why would you? But let's go on here. It says here, in this long piece, the New York Slimes, When he took office in 1985, Gorbachev said he felt it was a shame that a nation so richly endowed, so brimming with natural resources and human talent endowed by God was living so poorly compared with the developed countries of the world, talking about the Soviet Union. He blamed the Soviet command system and ideology, and he blamed the terrible burden of the arms race, quote-unquote. Soviet people had, quote, reached the limits of endurance, he said. He All attempts at... Partial reform, and there were many, he said, failed, one after another. The country was losing its future. We could not go on living like this. Everything had to be drastically changed, he said. In the years after the Soviet collapse, Gorbachev worked out of a foundation he established in Moscow. He was celebrated as a hero by many foreign audiences and frequently appeared abroad as a champion of environmental causes. But at home... He was regarded as a has-been during the 1990s, the raucous years of change under Yeltsin. Gorbachev remained bitter about Yeltsin's role in the Soviet collapse, but there was little he could do. When Mr. Gorbachev ran for president in 1996, he got 0.51% of the vote, less than 1%. Reza, his wife, died in 1999 and at her funeral... Looking drawn and stricken, Gorbachev leaned over her open casket, placed a kiss on her forehead. Mr. Gorbachev remained on the sidelines in the early years of Vladimir Putin's rule. But in later years, he spoke out with increasingly sharp words about the democratic reversals under Putin, 
who recreated a political system largely dominated by one party, suppressed press freedoms, choked civil society groups. The time of his 80th birthday, 11 years ago, in 2011, he said Putin had built a sham democracy. He said, we have everything, a parliament, courts, a president, prime minister, and so on, but it's more of an imitation. Mr. Gorbachev also witnessed the collapse of the signature arms control agreement he signed with Reagan, the INF Treaty, and that's because Russia kept violating it, so Trump said, that's enough, we have to pull out of it. In 2018, Gorbachev wrote that both nations must persevere to control nuclear weapons and avert a new arms race, which he acknowledged was already underway. Quote, faced with this dire threat to peace, we are not helpless, he declared. We must not resign. We must not surrender. And near the end, with this invasion into Ukraine, he had nothing but contempt for Putin. Nothing but contempt. And yet we have Putinoids in our own country. While they're too gutless to admit that they support Putin, too gutless to openly celebrate Putin, they do it in their own devious way. In their own devious way. Putin is threatening our country. It's not because of us, it's because of him. It's a very strange argument that takes place. And I'll lose some of you on this, so be it. But it's very strange. The argument is you either despise Biden or you despise Putin. You can't despise both. But I do despise both. I think Biden is destroying America from within and Putin is a grave threat. I mean, after all, how many dictators threaten to shoot nuclear weapons at our country? Not a lot. And he's done it at least three times now, maybe four. Well, that's because we. Now you sound like a leftist. Because we what? Because we're helping an ally. But it's very weird. It's not one or the other. You can despise both. You can also want to secure our border and at the same time support the Ukrainians who believe in their own sovereignty. It's not one or the other. You can also support a much more careful allocation of our resources in support of Ukraine than is taking place by the Democrat Congress and Biden without opposing all support. But these phony juxtapositions are always fed to us. What? We can't even secure our own border. We're going to help them secure theirs. Okay. So condemn Biden for that. Don't condemn the people of Ukraine. They have no say in any of it. Anyway, a rather long footnote. Today marks a year since we surrendered in Afghanistan. A year and a day since those 13 wonderful Americans were slaughtered there. And God knows how many American citizens and American allies. And the women there are treated like trash. And yet, Joe Biden holds his 
his base together. Many of whom are women, but cannot be called women because we don't call women women anymore, right? In the upside world of Joe Biden, one of the greatest disgraces in American history. He's about to give the Iranians nuclear weapons. One of the greatest disgraces in American history. He sent all the wrong signals to communist China. One of the greatest disgraces in American history. I find myself, every time I wake up in the morning, there's something else. And when we say the sky is falling, we're not chicken little. We're serious. It's falling. I'll be right back. Mark You're listening to the best of the Mark Levin Show. Happy Labor Day. The Soviet Union fell because Ronald Reagan, Margaret Thatcher, Helmut Kohl, and John Paul II all worked together in their own way. Reagan built up the United States military massively. The Russians couldn't keep up the Soviets. He also introduced Star Wars. Israel calls it the Iron Dome. Now we call Patriot Missiles here. He was mocked. The Strategic Defense Initiative. That's why they called it Star Wars. He was mocked. Our folks are always mocked. And yet we have great ideas. And we believe in liberty. And you know, I remember Joe Biden was a senator when Ronald Reagan was president. And we all thought Joe Biden was quite the putz. Very stupid man. Attorney General Meese, with whom I work. When Biden was always spearheading the character assassination against people. With his buddy Teddy Kennedy. He was always considered one of the dumbest, most loathsome members of the U.S. Senate. At least by us he was. But it was Reagan, Thatcher, who led the way. It was strength. It was deterrence. Reagan disagreed with Kissinger. Kissinger believed in detente. That was his whole thing. Reagan believed in victory. And the Soviet Union, as the old saying goes, was destroyed without a single bullet being fired at each other. But Reagan took them on in these different satellite areas. In Angola, in Nicaragua, in Afghanistan, in the Middle East. He didn't go on and on about endless wars. Some wars go on a long time, some don't. It's a funny thing, sometimes we don't get to choose. He could have said that, Soviet Union would still be here, all-powerful. In addition to communist China, he could have said these things, but he didn't. And very interestingly, Donald Trump's foreign policy looked an awful lot like Ronald Reagan's. Trump was not an isolationist. He was not. I know. I spoke to him. He didn't believe in these Bush-Cheney-Clinton wars, that's for sure. 
but he was not an isolationist. Sort of a common sense conservatism. And he did, he did believe in peace through strength, not peace through appeasement and ignorance. Joe Biden at Wilkes University in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania today. Cut 20, go. Just remember who in God's name we are. I really mean it. What our values are. What we believe. We the people. That's how our Constitution starts, the Declaration. We the people. We the people. He keeps pushing for centralized government. What does he mean, we the people? First of all, he thinks half the people are not even legitimate. He's trying to now... Let me, let me expand on this next hour. The dehumanization of conservatives, of Trump supporters, of Republicans. That's what becomes dangerous. That's where violence steps in. That's what's happened all over the world where you see the slaughter of one group against another. And that's exactly what Biden's doing. <laughs> dehumanizing at least half the country we salute our armed forces our police officers our firefighters and our emergency personnel good night america 